The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We hope you enjoy this episode from our series, Famous Fates. It's about the impactful lives and shocking deaths of history's most influential people. To hear even more episodes each week, subscribe to Famous Fates exclusively on Spotify. I do say state events are quite exciting. You've been lying to me for years, Franzi. Nonsense, Soph. I've never been nearly bombed on official royal business before. This is a special occasion. Must be me, then, ruining everything. Yes, you brought Austria very bad luck on your first official appearance. It's your anniversary gift. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Where are we going? This is the wrong way. Leopold, what the hell are you doing? Driving, Your Grace. Did you not hear of the change of plans? Listen, you imbecile! My apologies, Your Grace. I was not informed of the change in route. <laughs> For heaven's sake, what happened to you? Sophie, Sophie, don't die. <laughs> you must stay alive for our children. Speed up the car. They've been shot. <laughs> Is your Imperial Highness suffering very badly? It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm Carter Roy. Welcome to Famous Fates, a ParCast original, exclusive to Spotify. Each week we'll release five fresh episodes centered around a common theme, such as Hollywood icons, influential women, or music legends. In each episode, we'll take a close look at the remarkable life of a different person. With the help of voice actors, we'll dramatize their incredible lives, reimagining their greatest and weakest moments. Then we'll examine their controversial deaths. Some deaths came too soon, some remained shrouded in mystery, and some changed the world forever. Today, we're covering Archduke Franz Ferdinand Karl Ludwig Josef Maria, heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire until his 1914 assassination. His death was the spark that lit the wildfire of World War I. While he's most remembered for his final moments, he led a fascinating life of royal intrigue. You can find episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. To stream Famous Fates for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. 
Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find it on Spotify. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Now, back to the life of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. So, who was Archduke Franz Ferdinand? Protagonist in a Disney-worthy love story? Sickly, accidental heir to an empire. Interior designer with a target on his back. The last straw after years of international tension? Or maybe he was just an easy target in an open convertible. Archduke Franz Ferdinand Karl Ludwig Joseph Maria, Archduke of Austria Este, was born December 18, 1863, in Graz... Okay, but what even is an Archduke? Good question. The rank was invented in the 14th century by Franz Ferdinand's ancestor, Duke Rudolf IV of Austria. Right. Austria was part of the Holy Roman Empire at the time. But Austria got snubbed when titles were distributed in the Golden Bull of 1356, so they made up their own titles. Archduke ranks below an emperor or king, but above a prince or duke. And the Holy Roman Empire just went along with it? No. They refused to recognize the title, but it stuck, and was used by senior members of the Habsburg dynasty from 1358 to 1915. Sounds kind of shady, but the guy was also royal prince of Hungary and Bohemia, so powerful regardless. And super rich. At 11 years old, he inherited the estate of his cousin, Duke Francis of Modena, on the condition of taking the name Este and became richer than his own father and most of Austria. Not that his life was a bed of roses. Franz Ferdinand was a sickly child with lifelong lung problems, but being super rich and powerful, he went to the world's best doctors. Literally. Ferdinand spent his youth touring the Mediterranean, cruising the Nile, and traveling Asia seeking treatment for his weak lungs. Unfortunately, this worked against him, as his absence was cause for gossip at the royal court. Gallivanting all over the world, and he's only third in line for the throne. If I had that kind of wealth. He's weak stock. His mother died of consumption, and so will he. At least we won't be hearing about him much longer. Thank God! Did you know he brought home 2,140 hunting trophies in a single day last week? Despicable. And impossible. He pays men to drive beasts directly in front of his gun. It's not as impressive as he claims. He's barely a Habsburg with his aggressive behavior. Yes, I avoid court when he visits, and I still hear him screaming demands across Vienna. Ugh. Moti? Hot-tempered, Franz Ferdinand took out his aggression by hunting, recording kills of at least 272,439 animals. Ugh, he made the guy who killed Cecil the lion look like a saint. And somehow, he still had free time for other hobbies. Franz Ferdinand was an avid interior designer. With unique taste. It was said you couldn't walk around his home without nearly being stabbed by deer antlers. After which you'd be spooked by one of many paintings depicting the legend of St. George and the Dragon. This collection made him even more of an oddball, as the Viennese court was fascinated with modern art, not medieval legends. That's modern art of the time. Think Gustav Klimt, not Marina Abramovic. And to top it off, Franz Ferdinand kept a maze of thorny rose gardens around his estate at Konopischt. Now, he could have just been the royal family's weird cousin, had it not been for his cousin, Crown Prince Rudolf. Now, Crown Prince Rudolf was a player. 
In his defense, he was trapped in a political marriage to Princess Stephanie of Belgium, and she didn't like him much either. They'd done their royal duty and produced a child. Congratulations, it's a girl. But not an heir, since girls couldn't inherit the Austro-Hungarian throne. Instead of giving it another go, Rudolf got busy with other women. Many other women. Most scandalously, a teenage girl named Marie Vetsera. Rudolf was nearly twice her age. And believe me, we could do a whole other podcast on Prince Rudolf's death, but we'll leave it at Suicide Pact. Rudolf shot Marie and then himself in his Mayerling hunting lodge. The line of succession went through Franz Joseph's younger brother, Karl, who was dead, to his son, Franz Ferdinand, sickly child grown up to be heir to an empire. Because no one expected Franz Ferdinand to ever lead a country, no one had ever tried to make the quirky, hot-headed prince likable. Bad news for Austria-Hungary. So this guy was an outsider. He lived in a castle with a maze of roses, killed any living thing he could, and now was also a crown prince. Are you sure he wasn't just the beast in Beauty and the Beast? Unconfirmed, though he did have quite the love story. Good evening, Your Grace. I'm not... I mean, uh... Good evening, Your Grace. No need to be so worked up. I can see you blushing through your mask. My apologies, Your Grace. Not to worry. Your lady-in-waiting had excellent discretion making that mask small, so we could see more of your ever-so-much-prettier face. Are you trying to make me blush? No. That's happening all on your own. <laughs> now I wish I had a bigger mask. Do you spend much time in Vienna? <laughs> as little as possible. Everybody stays trapped indoors gossiping, and no one's very brave. It's like, are you familiar with the tale of St. George and the Dragon? Familiar? <laughs> I must show you my art collection. You'd laugh at what you just said. Oh, well, the people of Vienna are like the people of Celine. Everyone stays in all the time. And no one's at all brave. And you're St. George. Come to save you. Sophie, I spilled wine on my dress. Clean it up. Yes, Your Grace. And Ferdinand... I dare say, my daughters can tell you about themselves personally. No need to dig out information from our ladies in waiting. Ladies in waiting? Oh, certainly. Maria Cristina, come here and say hello to the Archduke. She is a perfect match for you. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now, back to the life of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand met Countess Sophie Chotek, who, though noble, worked as a lady-in-waiting, a.k.a. fancy personal assistant, for Franz Ferdinand's wealthy cousins, an archduke, a princess-turned-archduchess, and their eight eligible blue-blooded daughters. After their chance encounter, Franz and Sophie exchanged love letters, and his visits sparked rumors. Did you hear? The heir has been visiting Archduchess Maria Christina. She may be promoted to Empress sooner than we think. I heard he's courting her sister, Archduchess Maria Anna. Nonsense. He barely pays attention to either of them. What do you expect? His heart is frozen, but he still has to marry. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand couldn't care less about the gossip. He was preoccupied with keeping his love for Sophie a secret from his disapproving relatives. Franz, what is that? Oh, pocket watch. It looks like a locket. A trinket of love, perhaps? No. Let me see it, Franzi. Don't call me that. I dislike it. But you're practically my son-in-law. 
Oh, my. I said don't look. Sophie. Yes, Your Grace? Why does Franz have your picture in his locket? I, well, you see, I... I love her, and I plan to make her Empress of Austria-Hungary. You can't! I will. The Habsburgs were obsessed with keeping the dynasty pure, marrying only members of other reigning or formerly reigning European royal houses. And at the time, no member of the House of Habsburg could marry without permission from the emperor. So when the secret got out, Franz had to make a formal request. Have you lost all decorum? The heir to my empire is not marrying a scullery maid. She's not a scullery maid. She's a countess. No difference. That's precisely the thinking that is holding Austria-Hungary back. A country hasn't made half an inch of progress under you. Franz, this is not the way to ask for a favor. You don't lead. All you do is paperwork. Give the Slavs rights. Let... We must be good Hasburgs. Good Catholics. And... And good Austrians. In that order. I know. But uncle, don't condemn me to the fate of your son. Leave. Now. Franz Ferdinand and Franz Joseph had a very strained relationship. Two guys with the same first name who couldn't agree on anything else. Franz Joseph was old-fashioned and liked nothing more than sitting at his desk in Vienna. Franz Ferdinand wanted to modernize the empire. He planned to restructure the navy and ally with Russia. He supported universal suffrage, which I put in quotes because it didn't include women. It did include South Slavic minority groups, like Serbians and Bosnians. Not that Franz was a fan of the Serbs. He simply knew that lowering the percentage of Hungarian voters in the empire would swing things in favor of Austrian interests. But we'll get back to disenfranchised minorities in a minute. Five years after meeting Sophie Chotek, Franz Ferdinand would have no one else. And Franz Joseph was not happy. Every princess in Europe was rejected, and Franz Ferdinand worked every angle to marry down. Funny, usually it's the other way around. Franz Ferdinand enlisted the Tsar of Russia, the Kaiser of Germany, and even the Pope to pressure Franz Joseph to let him marry Sophie. And in 1900, the emperor, now 70, and frankly too old for this insecure line of succession crap, relented. But with harsh penalties. Franz Joseph only permitted a morganatic marriage. This meant Sophie's children could never inherit the throne. She was given a lesser title, Duchess of Hohenberg, and she wasn't allowed to appear next to Franz Ferdinand at state occasions. Franz Joseph boycotted their wedding, as did most of the royal family. But none of it mattered to Franz Ferdinand. By far the cleverest thing I ever did in my life was to marry my Sophie. She is everything for me. My wife, my doctor, my advisor. In a word, my whole happiness. And then our children. They are my whole pride and joy. I sit with them all day long in amazement that I can love them so much. And then the evenings at home when I smoke my cigar and read my papers. Sophie knits and the children tumble about knocking everything off the tables. It's all so cozy and precious. Franz Ferdinand and Sophie had an idyllic life. It was easy to ignore the fact that outside their bubble at Konopisht, they were hated. And not just by Emperor Franz Joseph and his court. Remember the South Slavs? That is, Serbians, Bosnians, and Croatians? South Slavs were spread between modern-day Hungary and modern-day Greece in areas controlled by the Austro-Hungarian and Ottoman empires. This area included regions known as Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia, and Old Serbia. It also included the then-tiny nation of Serbia, and Serbia nationalists sought to free all ethnic Serbs from outside rule. 
Austria had governed Bosnia and Herzegovina since 1876 and banned Serbian culture there, including singing folk songs and celebrating religious holidays, such as St. Sava's Day. Meanwhile, the Ottoman Empire had controlled Macedonia and Old Serbia since the Battle of Kosovo in 1389. But in 1912, Serbia regained control of those two territories. This lasted for a hot minute before Austria-Hungary annexed them too. So you can see why the South Slav nationalists saw Austrian power as the roadblock to a united Serbia. Especially when South Slavs didn't have the same rights as ethnic Austrians or Hungarians within the empire. Sort of like segregation in the U.S. Mm, exactly like segregation in the U.S. All South Slavs were second-class citizens. This led to the 1911 formation of a group called the Black Hand, a secret society of terrorists based in Serbia. Their motto? Unification or death. And in case you aren't taking them seriously, the Black Hand was led by Colonel Dragodun Dmitrievich, chief of intelligence of the Serbian army. Luckily for all of us, he went by the codename Apis. This guy had top-notch qualifications for overthrowing a government. He'd already done it. In Serbia in 1903, Apis organized the coup that replaced King Alexandra and Queen Draga with leaders from the rival royal house of Karadordovic. The Black Hand's first mission was a failed assassination attempt on Emperor Franz Joseph in 1911. Failure aside, the group amassed hundreds of members by 1914. The Black Hand recruited members of Young Bosnia, a group of students passionate about social change. Think Bernie Sanders supporters, but dangerous. The Young Bosnians also hoped to free Serbs, Bosnians, and Croatians from Austrian rule and were mainly based in Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia. The Black Hand had the weapons and know-how, and the members of Young Bosnia had the local knowledge and willingness to die for the cause. Match made in assassin heaven. One member of Young Bosnia was a young man named Gavrilo Princip. In 1912, he stepped into a dark room, observing a dagger, a revolver, and a crucifix on a black tablecloth. I am ready to take the oath. A masked man entered the room. I, Gavrilo Princip. In becoming a member of unification or death, do swear by the sun that shines on me, by the earth that nourishes me, by God, by the blood of my ancestors, on my honor and my life, that from this moment until my death, I shall be faithful to the regulations of the organization and that I will be prepared to make any sacrifice for it. I swear before God, on my honor and on my life, that I shall carry with me to the grave the organization's secrets. May God condemn me, and my comrades judge me, if I violate or do not respect, consciously or not, mine oath. The masked man shook his hand and left. And Princip was in. He was only 19, an army reject who had been expelled from school and never held a job. Yep, a real winner. But for the Black Hand, he was a perfect recruit, determined, proven dedication to the cause, and absolutely expendable. Soon, Princip was training in the Morava Valley, preparing for a mission. Will you do it? I am a Yugoslav nationalist for unification of all Yugoslavs. And I do not care what form of state. It must be freed from Austria. Yay! And afterwards, end your lives to protect our secrets. Yay! Unification or death! Death to the Archduke! Now you're probably thinking, why would the Black Hand want to kill the Archduke instead of trying to kill the Emperor again? 
Had they been looking to simply disarm Austrian power, killing the emperor would make more sense. However, Franz Ferdinand was more than just a symbol of Austrian power. Remember how Franz Ferdinand clashed with Franz Joseph over whether or not to give the South Slavs rights? And Franz Ferdinand was for it, which would have appeased many Serbs, Croatians, and Bosnians under Austrian rule. Undermining the need for a unified Serbia, and thus the Black Hand. Franz Ferdinand wasn't just a figurehead, he was a walking threat. And as the emperor approached 90, Colonel Appus knew it was only a matter of time before Franz Ferdinand gained the power to foil his plans. So Franz had to go. Franz Ferdinand had only an inkling of his coming demise. To be fair, that's much more than most assassinated world leaders get. While hunting in 1913, Franz shot a rare white stag. According to Austrian folklore, a man who killed a white stag would be dead within a year. And when a trip to Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia, was planned, Sophie begged her husband not to go. Franzi, must we go on June 28th? Why not the 30th? Or the 21st? The military will be just as ripe for inspection. I know it's our anniversary, my sweet. We'll make a trip out of it to celebrate. I just have a bad feeling. Sarajevo? Vidovidan? I know what you mean. But I'm still going, Serbian holiday or not. Breaking my word would be dishonorable. Couldn't your honor for once? I was going to keep this a surprise, but I ought to tell you now. The emperor gave permission for you to accompany me officially. You mean during the inspection? The inspection, the pomp, the circumstance, all of it. Do you really think I should cancel the first royal trip where I finally get to show off my gorgeous wife? Oh, Franzi. I, we must grit our teeth and do it, like an emperor and empress. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now, back to the life of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. So Franz Ferdinand and Sophie went to Sarajevo on a day that just happened to be their 14th anniversary. And it also just happened to be Vidovodun, a Serbian holiday which celebrated both the Feast of St. Vitus and the time the Serbian army fought to the last man against the Ottoman Empire in the Battle of Kosovo. For the record, Serbia lost that battle, but the day memorialized national pride and Serbian identity. Speaking of nationalists, assassins, all members of young Bosnia recruited to and armed by the Black Hand, lay in wait. The first assassin, Mehmed Mehmed Basic, was the son of a poor Muslim Bosnian noble. He actually wanted to kill Sarajevo's governor Petoriak and joined the scheme because the governor was part of the Archduke's official motorcade from an inspection of the troops to City Hall. So Mehmed, a carpenter by trade, held a bomb near the start of the motorcade route. The Archduke's car passed. Mehmed poised to throw it. Halt! Move, move! Out of the way now! Clear the streets for the Archduke! Spotting a gendarme, Mehmed got cold feet and ran off. So the motorcade continued passing Vaso Kubrilovic, who waited with a revolver. Vaso Kubrilovic was only 17. He'd been expelled from school for walking out during the Habsburg anthem and recruited for the plot when he took an active role in a public political discussion, venting teen angst against the Habsburgs. Vaso aimed his revolver, seeking the kill shot. But Sophie was in the way. Vaso only wanted to shoot the Archduke, so he too gave up on his mission. Franz Ferdinand's true love saved his life completing the arc of their Disney love story. Unfortunately, it wasn't the end of the real story. Look at the swans in the river, so. Oh, they're beautiful. Watch, in- Watch out, Sophie! <laughs> Sophie, 
I'm fine, dear. But the car back there... Our men are wounded. There! Get him! Nedelko Kabrinovic, the man who threw the bomb, ran from the scene. Get the bomber! Authorities chased Kabrinovic across the street, a Pell Key, toward the Milchaka River. Kabrinovic jumped in, swallowing the cyanide pill the Black Hand supplied him with for after the mission. But the cyanide was expired. It didn't work. Kabrinovic attempted to drown himself, but the river water was only four inches deep. This guy had the worst luck. He was quickly apprehended by the police, but went down fighting. I am a Serbian hero! You are a Serbian criminal! Shocked, the motorcade sped towards City Hall, sending those injured by the bomb to the hospital. Franz Ferdinand, Sophie, and Potiorek were amazingly still unharmed as they passed 18-year-old Kvetko Popovic, a nearsighted student who later claimed, I didn't see the car. I'm nearsighted. Svetko Popovic was the fourth assassin to fail. Gavrilo Princip's friend, Trifko Grabez, age 19, also didn't attack. At his trial, he said, I was afraid of hurting the nearby women and children. The streets were very crowded after the explosion. Among those crowds was Princip, who couldn't get anywhere close to the car or Appel Key, so he pocketed his revolver and went for a drink. Hmm, seems logical. <laughs> Danilo Illich, the man who organized the plot, senior to all conspirators at the ripe old age of 24, hadn't even brought a weapon and could do nothing as Franz and Sophie arrived at City Hall. These guys are pretty much the worst assassins ever. Note to self, never hire a teenager to kill someone. Safe or not, Franz Ferdinand, always a man with a temper, fumed at General Petiorek. So this is how you welcome your guests? With bombs? My apologies, Your Grace. Do you think there'll be any more bomb throwing? Does Your Highness think the streets are filled with assassins? We're going to the hospital. I need to check on those who are hurt by the bomb and thank them for their bravery. Meanwhile, across the city, Gavrilo Princip sat outside a bar getting drunk on alcohol and self-pity. He was a failure yet again. Prost! Prost. Did you see the bomb today? Yes, down at Palki. Almost got knocked over by the crowds. You see the Archduke? That asshole? Barely. Parading that fancy car about. You never see that kind of ostentation in Sarajevo. What is this? This is the wrong way! Listen, you imbecile! What's there? Is that the Archduke? It, it's a sign. <laughs> For heaven's sake, what's happened to you? Sophie, Sophie, you must live for our children. <coughs> Dear God, what did you do? I finally succeeded. There's the shooter. Grab him. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie, Duchess of Hohenberg, died of bullet wounds around 10.45 a.m. on June 28, 1914. Franz Ferdinand was hit in the jugular, Sophie in the abdomen. Both passed away before they got to the hospital. Shocking, considering they escaped death so many times that morning. Then again, they could have ridden in a car with the top closed. Or made sure their driver knew about the change in route plans. Or simply not have gone to the capital of Bosnia on a day national pride was at an all-time high. But they did. And somehow, by complete accident, one of seven assassins had the stroke of luck he needed to complete his mission. Luck, in quotation marks. There were many, many eyewitnesses, and Princip was apprehended and beat up immediately. He was given a 20-year sentence, but died of tuberculosis a few years in. 
Since people under 20 couldn't be executed for a crime, only Vaso Kabrulovic, the one who was afraid of hitting Sophie, and Danilo Illich, the guy who planned the assassination, were executed for their involvement in the murders. The rest were given jail sentences of 20 years or less. That's not the worst. For conspiracy and murder? Not at all. Speaking of conspiracy, it's rumored that Franz Joseph may have known about the assassination plot and allowed it to happen. Franz Joseph was aging, and Franz Ferdinand's younger brother, Otto, had always been seen as more fit to rule and was more likable all around. So had Franz Ferdinand been a bit nicer? Could the assassination have been prevented? It's possible. But then again, why would Austria declare war if they didn't care that Franz Ferdinand died? He was no Helen of Troy, after all. Well, they were looking for any excuse. Tension had been rising in Europe, but no one was going to declare war without reason. And of course, no one predicted a tiny war in the Balkans would snowball into global conflict. Princip's bullet was the first of many, and because of that, it's displayed in a museum in the Czech Republic. And Franz Ferdinand's legacy? First victim in World War I. Not, contrary to public opinion, the war's cause. This was a guy who just wanted to go hunting and keep his empire running smoothly not go to war. Had he lived, he would have done just that, until another conflict inevitably kicked the dominoes of European alliances and put the entire world at war. So World War I was not Franz Ferdinand's fault. He didn't start the war, the Black Hand did. Franz Ferdinand was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's how you get famous for how you died. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive. Well, not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Famous Fates for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Famous Fates on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. Remember, it's a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find the show right here. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to Famous Fates, available exclusively on Spotify.